Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? It's good to see you all. We're excited that you're here. Hey, something monumental happened in the life of our church earlier this year. We turned 100 years old. It was awesome. But also this past week, one of our congregants turned 100 years old. So, Bert, I know that you're not here with us right now, so I want to wish to you a very happy birthday on behalf of all your Sea Road friends and family. Thank you so much for being a part of us and pacing us as a church, gaining as many days old as we are as an entire organization. That's super awesome. We hope you're doing well. And man, do we ever love and appreciate you in the way that you invest in us. Ladies and gentlemen, it is so exciting for us to be here today to just talk about and wrap up this series that we've been in called All in the Family. We've been talking about a variety of different things that if we would add them intentionally into our lives, it would help us in our relational vitality with Jesus and with other people. And today we bring that all to a conclusion by answering this question, the difference between good intentions and great friendship. I'll tell you a little bit of a story. I happened to be in grade seven. I'd made the senior men's basketball team in my middle school. So a bunch of ninth graders and eighth graders and me and one other grade seven student were on the team. We were in 15 passenger vans and we were headed to an out of town tournament. The first time ever that I was going out of town on a tournament, I thought it was the best thing in the world. And we were traveling with the girls team as well. There just so happened to be a girl on the other team and her name was Mikey. I thought that was a strange name for a girl. So I made the mistake of asking the question, hey, does anybody know what Mikey's real name is? And my friend, Jonathan, our captain, I was friends with his younger brother, he was our ninth grader. He uh, piped up and said, why, do you have a crush on her? And from that moment on, the entire season was not about wins and losses. It was about whether Jason had a crush on Mikey. In fact, even the coach of the women's team would joke with me and jest with me about it. Hey, Jason, do you have a crush? I had not even met the girl. I never had a conversation with her. Have you ever been in a situation where you've had a friend try and do something well? They had really good intentions, but it just didn't translate into great friendship. That was my moment, and I'm sure you all have your moments as well. We are going to dive deeply into this because this can make all the difference in the world for us. So many of us have struggled relationally when it comes to friendship, especially in COVID. Like COVID right now, if you're on social media at all, there's this really fun little TikTok video out there called, uh, I go, Where, where's the people, basically. So you, you have people that are cautiously leaving their their places of work, their places of residence, and then they quickly close the door behind them because it's, uh-oh, people. Like, we're afraid of people right now. And, and it's kind of indicative of kind of where we are as a culture and a society. We have transcended where we used to be, and we're in this brand new reality of not knowing what's next. So why not talk all about friendship and get us ready to re-engage and re-enter into whatever the new normal or the next normal looks like for us. We're going to look at the story of a man named Job. Now, Job was a really interesting character. His story is contained in the Bible in a book that bears the same name as he does. So if you want to venture there with me, we're going to be talking a little bit about it. Now, Job's story is unique because it is set up in a very different way than kind of anything else that you'll read in the Bible. At the outset of Job's story, there's this cosmic 
challenge, let's call it that, where God is looking down on Job and he's really pleased in what he sees in his life. And he sees this, this man that is passionate about who he is and wants to pursue God and wants to make sure that he's honoring God in every facet of his life. He is totally sold out and dedicated to the best of his ability to following God's plan for his life. And then the adversary enters the conversation, the adversary being the devil, our enemy. And the devil kind of has this conversation with God going like, hey, you know that Job guy, I bet you he would not follow you if you would take away all of his blessings. If you'd allow me to inflict some pain, some hardship, some challenge into his life, I bet you he's going to turn away from you, walk away, curse you and die. I think that's going to happen. Now, God is like, you know what? I don't believe that. I trust in the friendship that I have with Job. And so he lets this play out. Now, Job, you need to understand, Job was a fully blessed individual. He had a, a large family. He had an abundance. He had an abundance of resources. He had an abundance of power. He was well-known in his region. He was well-known in the space in that area. And so he had a lot to lose, you and I would say. And one by one, these things are stripped away instantly. He loses his family in a tragedy. He loses all his possessions. It gets raided and they get taken away from him. And in fact, he's even has a battle with his health challenge where the adversary just inflicts these painful sores and wounds on him where it hurts to sit or lie down or stand up. Everything is painful. Everything is frustrating. Everything is a challenge. And it's in that moment that a couple of good-intentioned minded individuals show up on the scene. Check it out. Chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. Let me read this for you. When three of Job's friends heard of the tragedy he had suffered, they got together and traveled from their homes to comfort and console him. Their names were Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. When they saw Job from a distance, they scarcely recognized him. Wailing loudly, they tore their robes, threw dust into the air over their heads to show their grief. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights. No one said a word to Job, for they saw his suffering was too great for words. Talk about some really solid friends, or what we think are solid friends. At his deepest moment of despair, they show up and they're present with him, sitting in the literal ashes on the ground with him, entering into his pain, entering into his plight, and they say nothing. Seven days, seven nights, not a word. They're there, they're present. Interestingly enough, the story doesn't end there. It, it continues on. And the rest of the book of Job is an exchange of conversations between Job and his friends and then Job and God. And Job and his friends, here's what happens. They start out really well and they start out really strong and then they start speaking. And they start saying, well, you know what, Job, all this is happening because there's got to be some sort of residual sin in your life. And that's why God is cursing you and this, that, and the other. They start chastising him. They start ridiculing him to a certain point. I'll call it even spiritually abusing him to a, to a certain point, just questioning his, his mindset and his faith and all that stuff. And even, even his wife, who's still in the picture, is encouraging him this entire time. Hey, just, just curse God and die. 
Just curse God and die. All the people around him who he thought would be supportive and caring, who had good intentions, that good intentions didn't translate into great friendship. He felt alone and abandoned. He felt misguided in that moment. The book of Proverbs gives us this picture of two different kinds of friends. Let me share two verses with you from this text. It's pretty awesome. And I love this one because you get to physically use air quotes. We'll practice this together in just a moment. Proverbs 18, verse 24. There are friends, everybody, if you're doing this at home, do it at home as well. Air quotes with me. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer to a brother. Proverbs 27, verse 17, articulates it like this. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Okay, so what does this all mean, Jason? How do we move forward into great friendship if we have the best intentions in mind? I'm going to give you three ups. The first is this, we show up. This is where Job's friends started out really, really well. They, they showed up into his life, into the moment where he was desperately in need of companionship and, companionship and understanding. They showed up, they were present, they were there, they were willing to enter into his pain. Do you and I have people in our lives, are we a person who is willing to show up? Think about it for a second. I know that COVID has created some chaos in our world the last almost two years. Are you and I showing up in our relationships despite the challenge that is COVID? See, oftentimes I hear this question and this phrase that people toss at me as a pastor. They're like, I don't know if I feel close to God right now. Here's where I like to start that conversation. Are you showing up? Are you showing up in your relationship with God, in your walk with Jesus? If you're not showing up, that's why you feel disconnected. You're not there. You're not present. You're not investing. You aren't valuing this relational connection. If you're not showing up, you're not there. Imagine for a moment that my wife asks me to do something to meet her someplace, and I don't show up. You think that's going to be a pleasant conversation afterwards? Yes, it will be, because we're going to work through the conflict. It'll be restoration. We'll have a great moment to embrace later. It'll be awesome. But it's a challenge, right? If I'm not physically there, if I'm not showing up, I have no shred of relational integrity to my name. And the truth and the reality is that too many of us, when things become difficult and hard when, with our friends, with our family members, and even with God, we stop showing up. We stop showing up. It gets too hard. We're like, you know what? I'm abandoning ship. We view relationships as disposable. Where did we get that idea? I mean, my toaster oven breaks down or my microwave breaks down and I go and buy a new toaster, I buy a new microwave. I don't fix that microwave. And so maybe that's crept into our relational ethos as a society and as a culture, but that's not how we can handle relationships. That isn't relationship. We need something way beyond good intentions. Way beyond good intentions. Like when you are moving and you need help moving. And you have people that say, yes, I'll be there. And then they don't show up. You know what I'm saying? We get frustrated. We get hurt. We get angry. We can't count on or rely on people. 
Are we showing up in our relationships? Are we showing up in our walk with Jesus? If we want to translate good intentions into great friendship, we have got to start showing up. The second up is this, listen up, listen up. And again, Job's friends started this out really, really well. When they saw the plight of their friend, they, they showed up, they were present with him for a full seven days and nights. They didn't say a word, they were just listening. Far too often, you and I enter into a relational conversation, not with the mindset of listening first, but with the mindset of, I'm gonna give them a piece of my mind. Think about this for a moment. Have you ever had somebody struggle with what I call the fix-it Felix syndrome? Like you talk to them about something and they immediately jump to 47 different conclusions of what you could do to fix your problem. Anybody have a friend like that? Anybody been that kind of a friend? I'm, I'm honest. I'm, I'm kind of like a fix-it Felix at, time, at times where I'm looking to fix somebody's problem. That's not friendship. That's not friendship. That's not our job. That's not our responsibility. When you're asked, then by all means, you can share your thoughts, your opinions. But more importantly than that, if you and I would listen up, it's an opportunity to hear what Jesus is doing in the moment. See, if we're walking in a relationship with God, if we're showing up in a relationship with God, you know what happens? He starts communicating with us through what? Through conversation as we read the Bible, through prayer, through creation, through dreams, through visions, through impressions, through all sorts of things. God is a speaking, communicating God, always sharing with us. Sometimes we're just not tuning in. We're not listening to what he has to say. And so even in a crisis moment, in our own lives or in somebody else's life, as we're listening to them, the Holy Spirit might give us insight into what's actually going on. If somebody starts talking about, like one of my kids starts talking about, like, man, I don't feel like I have any really good connections right now. What is happening? What is going on? It's bigger than good connections. They're feeling abandoned. They're feeling alone. They're feeling unloved. And then you can speak directly to that lie, but you have to be listening first. Think about it like this. You have to earn the right to be heard. You have to earn the right to be heard in your friendships. And far too often, we are more quick to speak than we are to listen. So if we would put into practice this idea of listening up. Now, here's the thing about listening. Some people get confused. They're like, but if I listen to somebody, that means I'm going to fully agree with them. Like if I'm listening to them about conspiracy theories related to COVID-19, or if I'm listening to them about another uh, opinion, like the Montreal Canadiens are the best hockey team in the planet. If I'm listening to them, that means I'm going to agree with what they're saying. No, it doesn't. It means that you're valuing the relationship enough to differ in opinion, yet still be present in the moment. Are you somebody who not only shows up, but somebody who listens up? We want great friendship. That comes with divine insight from the, from the Lord. Helping us to translate all of our good intentions. Let them morph, let them grow into great friendship. But we've got to listen up. There's a third up that I'm going to share with you, and that's this. Don't give up. Don't give up. I've already said it, that we view relationships as disposable in our culture, and that's far too real. 
It happens in abundance all the time. And, and we, we might butt our head against the wall because somebody's difficult. Like in our own family, we're like, that personality that just doesn't drive with mine. So, so I'm just going to like pull away from them for a moment. But what if you are the person that God has in mind to love that difficult individual, not so that they would change, but so that you would change? See, what Job's friends missed out on in this sort of interaction with him, they missed out that God was doing something, not only in Job, but wanting to do something in them as well. And their absolute refusal to see what God was doing left them on the outside looking in. They gave up. They walked away because they couldn't fix their friend. And quite honestly, there's going to be situations that you and I bump into that we just can't fix. Relational breakdown of some kind. A marriage ends after 25 years of committed, loving relationship. Somebody gets a diagnosis health-wise, cancer, some other terminal illness that you and I physically cannot fix. We're going to have a challenge with maybe somebody embraces addiction more so than they embrace Jesus. All sorts of different stuff is going to happen in our world. Jesus said that in this world, we will have trouble. We, it's guaranteed that's going to happen. There will be trouble. But take heart because he, Jesus, has overcome the world. The moment you feel like giving up, the moment you feel like throwing in the towel, walking away, I'm done with this. That's exactly the moment that you need to be empowered and emboldened by the Holy Spirit, the strength that God gives you so that you don't give up. You don't give up. You might be standing on the moment of a breakthrough, just on the edge of it. My dad grew up in a, in a home where he happened to not know Jesus. Nobody in the family knew Jesus. And then all of a sudden, when he was about 16, 17 years old, he went on a skidoo trip with a good-looking gal, and he started to take interest in this whole Jesus thing. That gal was my mom. My mom grew up in a Christian home, and sure enough, over time, my dad saw something in my mom, not only romantically that he wanted something of, but spiritually, there was something vibrant there. And so he was like, you know what? I have got to explore who this Jesus guy is. Within two years, he gave his life to Christ, became baptized, proposed to my mom. They got married super young. They're still vibrant, vibrantly in love today. My dad was the only Christian in his family for years. I remember growing up in a Christian household with my mom and my dad, going to church all the time, being invested in, being cared for, encouraged along the way to grow spiritually. And part of that meant praying for my dad's extended family. I figured it was almost a useless exercise, to be honest. I didn't know if anybody was going to take us seriously. Then the moment came where I was going to enter into full-time vocational ministry after high school. And I thought, well, that's going to be the relational break right there. So we kept praying. We kept praying. We kept praying. 30 years of prayer. 30 years. My dad's oldest sister started to follow Jesus. After 30 years. And after that moment, then his oldest niece, my oldest cousin, started to follow Jesus. And her husband started to follow Jesus. Now, not everybody yet in that family is following Jesus. But I got to tell you, my dad never gave up. I gave up. 
I was there in spurts. I had really good intentions. My good intentions didn't translate into great friendship, but my dad, he never gave up. He never gave up. He wrestled. He agonized. He prayed. He did not give up. If you and I would strive, would push, would press, would cry out to God and say, in the moments that we feel like we've got nothing left, Lord, if you don't lead me forward, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do. In those moments, we got to stop giving up. We've got to trust that God is doing something more infinitely mind-blowing than we could possibly imagine. He is moving. He is shaping. He is restoring. He's encouraging. The world we live in is never going to be perfect, but it's becoming more and more like Jesus wants it to be when we give our lives to him and follow his lead in every facet. There's a practical image that I want to give you from the Bible of what this kind of friendship looks like. Good intentions translating into great friendship. It's from the book of Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be reading verses 17 through 26. One day when Jesus was teaching some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby, it seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea as well from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strong with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? This, that's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately... As everyone watched, the man jumped up, jumped up, picked up his mat, and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with wonder, with great wonder and awe. And they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. That's a picture of friends who didn't give up. That's a picture of friends who did not give up. They showed up, they listened up, they didn't give up. Imagine what they would have had to go through, fighting through a crowd, making room for a paralyzed man they were carrying on a mat, climbing up the side of a house, digging through a roof so they could bring their friend to Jesus. And that's the truth of it all. See, great friendship, if you boil it down to what does that look like, it means bringing your friends, the people you care about, to Jesus through prayer through actions, through the way that you love, through the way that you care, through the, how you speak, how you show up, how you listen up, how you don't give up, bringing it all to Jesus. If you and I want to truly make a difference relationally in our world, we need to learn how to love and live like 
Jesus. We need to learn how to bring our friends to Jesus. We need to learn how to bring our family to Jesus. We need to learn how to bring all of our relational connections, lay them down at the feet of Christ so that he can do all the fixing because you and I can't do it. Our best intentions will never get us to where we want to be relationally. Our best intentions will never get us there. It is only Jesus that will make all the difference. I'm not under the delusion or the mindset that you and I aren't, haven't ever struggled with relationships in some way in our house or in our family or in our, our relational network and sphere. And I know that hearing something like this for some of you today is going to be a, a big challenge. Because maybe you're just starting to process things and go like, oh my goodness, I've, I've given up. I wasn't listening well. I was, and, and, and the enemy's going to take what is truth and he's going to start to needle you and poke you right where it hurts the most. And make you reinterpret your experience and make you try and think something that isn't real or isn't happening or isn't translating the way that, that uh, is, is actually playing out. He's going to just distort reality all around you. And I, inter I understand that. But the truth of the matter is this. Jesus will bring you the clarity that you need. In all that ambiguity, in all that chaos, in all that uncertainty, Jesus will give you that clarity that you're craving. For every single relational struggle that you're currently going through, that you have gone through, that you will go through in the future. Every single one. We all start at the same spot, needing somebody to give us hope, needing something to give us hope. And I'm telling you right now, if that hope is not in Jesus, it'll all fade away. Everything. What you crave, the stability, the strength, the future-mindedness, the soul-nourishing, the hope for the future, all that stuff, it's only found in one spot. So let me ask you this. Do you identify more with the friends of Job? Or do you identify more with the friends that we read about in Luke chapter 5, who did everything in their power to get their friend to Jesus? If you could choose to pick what kind of friend you would want, which one would you pick? I would pick the Luke 5 friend. And so if I want those Luke 5 friends, you know what I have to do? I've got to be a Luke 5 friend. I've got to be that kind of a person. And when I'm that kind of a person, all of a sudden I'll find that there are people like me around me who can carry me to Jesus when I need help. We're going to go to a time of prayer and I'm going to invite you in one of two capacities to respond as we pray. The first is I'm going to ask you if you are facing a relational challenge of some kind, I'm going to ask you to stand in a few moments as we pray. And we are going to pray intentionally for you because as a community, even those of you online, as a community, we're going to rally around you and carry you to Jesus. 
to the best of our ability through prayer. That's one way that you could respond to something like this. Another way that you could respond is I'm gonna ask you if you are desiring to be that kind of a friend, that Luke 5 friend, and maybe you know, maybe God's been putting people in your mind right now, bringing their names to your memory right now of people in your world that need this kind of friendship. I'm gonna ask you to stand as we pray. And I'm gonna pray specifically for you, commission you to enter into those moments to the best of your ability alongside of what Jesus puts in your hand to be a blessing in those situations. So let's pray together. Father, I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to engage with you in real heartfelt matters. And God, I know that uh, many of us are facing challenges of some kind when it comes to relationships in this moment. And so over these next few moments, those of us who are facing those challenges, we're just going to take a physical step of, of just acknowledging that we are in that kind of a space. We're in a relational nightmare, maybe even. And so what we're going to do, God, is wherever we happen to be, whether that's gathered together in this space or somewhere online, we're going to just stand up. We're going to stand up because it's us declaring before you and before our community that, man, we need some hope in our world. We need some, some help when it comes to our relational health and well-being. And God, for those people that are standing in this space, for those people that are standing at home that desperately need you to intercede, God, would you move mountains? Would you bring hope in the darkest moments of life when the enemy is overwhelming and, and just gnawing at us in our hearts and in our minds? Would you instead allow us to be filled with your truth that replaces those lies, that replaces those feelings of inadequacy or unforgiveness or whatever it happens to be. And instead, would you allow us to see what it is that you're up to? We, we don't want to stop showing up. We don't want to stop listening up. We don't want to give up. Would you provide us the strength that we need in these moments that we happen to find ourselves? Jesus, I'm also fully aware that many of us need to be reminded that we need to be kind of like these Luke 5 friends. And so over these next few moments, if there are people in this space or again gathered in our online community that want to step into this, that want to embrace it, I, give, I pray the Lord that you give them the courage right now to stand up. Stand up and be counted. Stand up and be noted. Not because we're counting numbers or anything like that, but God, because we want to declare before you with a physical expression of obedience that we want to be used by you wherever you want to use us, however you want to use us. Whatever it costs us, we're willing to pay that price. Whatever you want to put in front of us, wherever you invite us to go, we're willing to go there. Not because we're, we're going to be able to fix everything, but because we trust what you have already done and will do. Lord, help us to be these friends in a world, in our community, in our culture, in our, in our society, in our church that are desperately needed so that other people can be drawn to you. And God, I recognize that asking people to respond immediately doesn't always work for some of us. We're slower processors, and that's okay because that's the way that you've made us. So God, I pray over the next week ahead, the days ahead, the month ahead, that you would remind us and give us opportunities to practice translating good intentions into great friendship. 
that we would learn to be the people that you've called us to be wherever you have placed us. Lord, you're creating something new, something new that's yet oddly familiar. So God, would you draw not only us to yourself, but anyone who does not yet know who you are, would you draw that person by name to you? Speak into the questions that they have, the desires that they have, the hopes that they have. Bring those Luke 5 people around them to remind them of who you are and how much you care and what power you have to heal, to save, to encourage, and to restore. Father, you are good. May you bless us and protect us. May you smile upon us. May you turn your face towards us. May you grant us your favor and your peace in all of our relational entanglements. We pray this in your name. Amen.